Hey, I'm Zach. Thanks so much for checking out this week's message. I hope that it encourages you. I hope it challenges you. And I hope that it causes you to dive deeper into God's Word. I also hope that you have some community around you that you can talk through some of these things with. And if you don't, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our community here at Restore, whether that's coming to one of our Sunday gatherings or coming to one of our Restore groups. Either way, we would love to see you. You can get more information about that on our website at RestoreAustin.org. And I hope you enjoyed this week's video. Restore. It's uh, it's really good to uh, to be here today. I um, I'm excited about being here. I'm, I'm a longtime friend, obviously, with Zach. Um, I've never been referred to as a great 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 grandfather yet, but uh, I love being a grandfather. I can't think of anything I would rather be than a grandfather. Uh, I feel like I've known y'all. Uh, I feel like a grandfather here at Restore because uh, even before uh, Restore was birthed, I was a part of the team that actually uh, prayed along with Zach and Matt as they were determining what it was that God wanted them to do here in South Austin. And, uh, and so that when they decided that uh, this was going to be the place where God was going to do something special, something new, uh, I feel like I was a part of that. And so, in some ways, I really do feel like the grandpa of Restore. I mean, I'm kind of like the grandpa, you know, well, I knew you when you were just a little bitty baby, you know, you probably haven't heard that in a while. But uh, uh, some of you may be here and think, gosh, I wish I had that cool, hip, young pastor here. And uh, what's Grandpa Jody have to say to us, this young, hip generation? And so, let me try to convince you here before I begin to speak. Uh, uh, try to convince you that I may have a little bit of wisdom that I can share with you today. Uh, how many of you are Star Wars fans? That was a really dumb question, wasn't it? That was, that, was a dumb, that was one of those questions that you ask and you know the answer to it even when you ask. Uh, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. If we were living back in the days of Star Wars, uh, or I guess it would be future, with the Force and Jedi Knights, uh, Zach would definitely be Luke Skywalker, Right? I mean, cool, hip guy, bald head, you know, beard, and, and has a name that starts with Z. I mean, I have one 
person in my contacts with the Z, it's Zach. Well, if we were living in those days and Zach were Luke Skywalker, this is who I would be. Man, look at the ears on that guy, man, I'll tell you. Uh, I do feel old and I do feel green at times. But uh, today's message could have been entitled Lessons from the Life of Joda. Uh, some people have seen that in the past and they call, refer to me as Joda. Uh, but instead it will be Life Lessons from the Life of Jonah. Um, and uh, we are in week three of our study in the book of Jonah, and, and everybody knows this story. Everyone knows the story of Jonah. Even people that have never really read the Bible have all heard the story of Jonah, this guy that was swallowed by a whale. Every kid, if you grew up in Sunday school, I'm sure uh, uh, you, you heard the story even as a small child about this funny story about this guy named Jonah that kept running from God and was always unsuccessful. Uh, when I think of the, of the story of Jonah, I don't know if y'all remember the uh, Wally Coyote and the Roadrunner cartoons that way before y'all's age. If not, you need to, to do it. This coyote was always chasing uh, the Roadrunner, and it was the road, so the Roadrunner was always running, and he could just never, ever catch him. Um, but um, the book of Jonah is a, just four little chapters. Uh, but it's a very deadly serious uh, book, and uh, there are life lessons that we can all learn from it, because the reality of it is, is that we are all really a lot like Jonah. We like to keep God at a distance. We like to, uh, uh, we, we have this relationship with God. We keep him at a distance. Uh, we, we know the right thing to do, but we choose not to do it, uh, like Jonah, uh, God gives us assignments to do and in our relationship with him, and uh, we run the other way. And so what I love about the Bible, and I do love the Bible, uh, Bible stories help us to see ourselves, and I think you're going to see yourself in Jonah. Uh, so let's learn from Jonah so that we don't make the same mistakes that Jonah made. So let's do a quick review here uh, of the first two chapters. Um, when I think of chapter 1, I think of uh, Jonah fleeing. It says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, telling him to go preach to the people of Nineveh. Now, that sounds like a very simple thing to do, doesn't it? Unless that you are a Jewish guy, because Nineveh, see, we think, where is Nineveh? I've never heard of Nineveh. Well, there's a modern-day city that once was Nineveh, and the modern-day city for Nineveh is Mosul, Iraq. That once was called Nineveh. Uh, and I think we all know that, uh, uh, that Mosul, Iraq, is in the news even today uh, because uh, uh, this is where ISIS has taken over this city, Mosul, and uh, and. And it is a stronghold of Mosul and the Iraq armies and along with American uh, advisors are, have surrounded Mosul and so and they're trying to retake and liberate Mosul. And so we, we think of sometimes that, man, Jonah was just this coward. 
Well, I mean, now that we know exactly where it was that God was calling him to go preach, we kind of go, hmm, I would be a little nervous if God were to ask me to go to Iraq or to Iran, and I want you to go there, and I want you to give them a really hard message. I want you to tell them that they better turn from their wicked ways. And if they don't, there's going to be severe consequences. And Jonah was a Jewish guy. Okay, now we kind of know the feelings in the, in the Middle East of, of the Arab nations uh, as a whole, uh, what they feel about Jewish guys. And so Jonah wasn't really a, a coward at all. And so he has this specific direction, instructions from God. And how does he respond? If you were here the first Sunday, you realize that, man, he gets this uh, instruction from God, and what he does is he turns the exact opposite way and, and gets on a boat, and he's going to go to a Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles from where he was. Hmm. He buys a one-way ticket on a boat, and then, and then it says that God causes this storm, and the captain on this boat realizes something's going on here. There's someone on this boat that is running from God, and so Jonah says, it's me. And so to, in order to save the boat and to save the crew, the captain of the boat throws Jonah into the ocean. And it says that as soon as he was thrown into the ocean, the storm subsided. So it was good for the people that were in the boat. But the problem is, is that Jonah now is, is um, in the storm out of, of trying to tread water in order to stay alive. So the first lesson we learn from Jonah is that you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. See, God gives us the freedom of choice, and we don't have to love him. And we don't have to obey him. We really can do what we want to do, which all of us, if we would be honest, would admit that sometimes we do that. And we can even run away from God. But don't ever think for a moment that you can outrun God. Because you can't. You cannot outrun God. The second chapter, I would refer to it as Jonah fearing so Jonah finds himself treading water all alone out in the ocean, and think how terrifying that would be, but now Jonah's life goes terribly wrong, and Jonah gets swallowed by a whale. And so now he's three days in the stomach of a whale, which gives you to think about things, and I'm sure he was pondering, let's see, this disobedience thing's not really working out real well for me. And so we all need to learn from our mistakes, and this is what Jonah is doing in, the, in this, uh, the stomach of this whale. He's learning that mistakes, that our mistakes and unfortunately our choices, sometimes get us into really big messes. And that was true of Jonah. And it's true of us. I've been in that same situation, making decisions in my life, and I go, Afterwards, I see what it got me, and I go, what was I thinking? What was I thinking when I made that decision? That was a really dumb decision. 
So some of you may be there right now. And so if you are, I would, I would challenge you, encourage you to evaluate your present situation and ask yourself, am I here in my present situation because I made a really bad decision? And so if so, if we make these bad decisions and we want to get out of it, what do we do? Because you see, um, it's not that God was trying to be mean to Jonah. Actually, the whale saved his life. He wasn't trying to be mean to him. But God had a purpose for Jonah's life. And, jo and his purpose was that he wanted these hundreds of thousands of people. At that time, it's believed that there were about 120,000 people in Nineveh. And he wanted these people who had never really heard about how much God had loved them and, and that God was pursuing them and that God was wanting them to turn from their wicked ways and turn to him. He wanted them to have the opportunity to either love or to reject God. And so uh, Jonah had a purpose. And so he had three days to think about this situation in this dark, slimy smelly belly of a big whale his decision probably sounded a little bit like this um, okay my choices are I can disobey continue to disobey God and get my life in a bigger mess or I can get out of this situation and he came to the conclusion that okay if how do I get out of this situation and it's real simple you just begin to obey God and so once he gets his mind right and makes this decision that I'm going to quit running from God I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And it says that God commanded the fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. So the second lesson we learned from Jonah is obey God and get a blessing. Disobey God and get consequences. Now, this is the same uh, place that all of us, the same choices that all of us in this room have. And so if you find your life in a mess and it's a result of maybe disobeying God, then the way to get out of it is very simple. You begin to obey God. And that's what Jonah decided to do. I can just hear him going, Lord, you get me out of this mess. You get me out of the belly of this fish, and I will do whatever you want me to do. And some of you may say the same thing. Maybe you're in a really bad relationship that you go, this will let, what was I thinking when I got into this relationship? What was I thinking? And so at that point, you have to kind of go, what do I want to do? I want to obey God. I want to, I want to begin to obey God. Which brings us to chapter 3. And let's watch this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, 
covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. It says that the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time and he really told him the exact same thing that he had said to before. And so now in chapter 3, we see Jonah following now. He's gone from fleeing from God to fearing God and now he's following God. And this is where we uh, want to get to be. And so now Jonah is no longer running. He's following. He surrendered to the fact that he is not God. He is not in charge of his own life, but that God is in charge and that God's plan is the best plan. And so he preaches to the people of Nineveh, and amazingly, they say yes to God. Now, the two most significant days in, in all of our lives were the day that we were born. Obviously, that's a significant day because we have been given the gift of life. But the second most significant day in all of our lives is the day when we realize why we were born. Have you ever wondered why you were born? I mean, I can guarantee you that it was not so that you would live a boring life of 60 to 70 years and then you get sick and then they bury you in a box. That, that's not the purpose of life. The reality of it is, is that each of us has a purpose. Each of us has a God purpose. Jonah's purpose was to preach a very tough message to a very tough audience and his obedience produced amazing fruit. It changed that city because the people believed God's message. They turned from wickedness to God for forgiveness. And it says that even the king of Nineveh believed and encouraged all the people later on in the chapter to turn from evil to Jonah's God. And so if I were to ask you a question, what is your purpose? What would you say? Because I hope, if nothing else, that you will leave here today and you'll go, I've never really thought about that. What is my purpose? Ephesians 10 says, for we, meaning those who follow Christ, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. If you are a Christ follower, then you have a purpose. You, you have a God-given purpose, and it says that we can do the things that he planned for us long ago. And so what is your purpose? And I'm not thinking, I don't want you to think that, does this mean that all of us have to go like in full-time ministry? And I would go, no. You may be an ordained plumber. You, you may be an ordained homemaker, but we are all called to do the good things that he has planned for us when he gave us life. And so there's tons of lessons here that we can learn from chapter 3, but let me give you just a few of them. One of the reasons I love Jonah is that God uses reluctant leaders to accomplish his purpose. Now, and so most of us all identify with reluctant leaders. You know why? Because we're reluctant. We're afraid. We feel inadequate. We run from potential failure. 
And so if you are running from God's purpose in your life, I want to encourage you to stop running. Surrender to his plan and not your plan. The Bible is full of reluctant leaders. Almost every leader in the Bible is a reluctant leader. Moses was an incredibly reluctant leader. I don't talk very good. He stuttered. You get the wrong guy. What, 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 what am I going to say? I'm a reluctant leader. Man, if you knew my background, when I, after I committed my life to Christ when I was 23 years old, and I began to feel this call to, to, for me that my purpose was to be a pastor, I'm like, I, I can't do that. I remember I took a speech class at Midland High School, and, and every time that it was my turn to give a speech, I would get so sick, I would convince myself that I was dying of something, and I'd tell my mom, Mom, I'm really sick, I can't go to school today. She goes, do you have to give a speech today? And I go, yeah, you're going to school. I mean, I would literally want to throw up getting in front of people and, and to have to say something, and I'm thinking, what would I be doing doing that for a living? And so I tried to convince God, man, you got the wrong guy here. I, I, you got the wrong guy. And I had to get with an older, wiser pastor that was, boy, he was really old back then. He's probably about as old as me right now. He was old. And, and I went to him, and I was telling him, man, you know, help talk me out of this because I think I'm fixing to make a big mistake. And that's where I learned that God uses reluctant leaders. And so I surrendered to God's plan instead of my own, and I've been, I've been a pastor for over 40 years. But this is the lesson I really want us to learn today, that our God is the God of second chances. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and deliver the message I've given you. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. One reason we all identify with, jo with Jonah is because we've all blown it. We all fall short. We all fall down. We all let God down. We all let our loved ones down. We all let ourselves down. It describes me. I think of my life, I mean, I was not raised in the church. I can remember maybe once a year we might go to First Methodist Church of Midland in Midland, Texas, and, and Christmas or Easter. I, I, I have referred to my family that I grew up in was more like a heathen family. I mean, my mom was into witchcraft and horoscopes and fortune tellers and all kinds of strange things. And, and then I, I was in the 60s, and I fell into the sex, drugs, and rock and rolls of the 60s. And man, I hit bottom, and I, I didn't find myself in the, in the belly of a whale, but I found myself in this dark, deep, depressed state of hopelessness, and I considered suicide. And that was when I was introduced to the God of second chances. 
And I took him up on his offer and discovered my purpose. And for 40 years, I've had the privilege of just being able to tell people about the Bible and to tell people about God and to tell people about Jesus and to love them and care for them in the hardships of life. And everyone in the Bible, everyone in the Bible, with the exception of Jesus, needed a second, third, fourth, tenth, hundredth chance. I mean, this book is an amazing book. And when I first became a Christian, I thought, oh my goodness, all these people, all these stories in here, they're all perfect, and I am not perfect. I am so far from perfect. But then I began to read these stories in the Bible, and I began to read stories like Adam and Eve, the first one. God told them, hey, you could do whatever you want to do, but just don't eat of this one tree. It's kind of like telling your kids, you know, you can do whatever you want to do, just don't eat the, the ice cream in the refrigerator. And they just go, I just can't keep myself from eating that ice cream in the refrigerator. And that's what Adam and Eve did. And so they needed a second chance. Moses, Moses, would you not agree that he's probably the most significant, he and David, um, leaders in the Old Testament? Moses killed a guy. Killed a guy. He broke one of the Ten Commandments, and yet he became one of the greatest leaders in all of the Bible. David, King David, the guy who slew Goliath and became the king of all of Israel. And, and the, it's the only, he's the only guy that is referred to as a man who is after God's own heart. He loved God with all of his heart, with just incredible passion. He wrote uh, many of the Psalms, <laughs> and he like. He, he has all the women he would ever want, and yet he wanted one woman who was the wife of one of his men in his army. He took her, committed adultery. She gets pregnant. He, he has her husband killed. But God gave him a second chance. We see Peter, man. Peter, one of the, the great leaders of the church early on, you know, I mean, he tells Jesus, man, no way, I'll deny you, man, no way. And Jesus, when he gets arrested, and the little girl goes, aren't, didn't you, weren't you with Jesus? I don't even know the guy. I don't even know the guy. Three times. And yet Jesus meets up with him on the bank of a, of a lake and tells him, it's okay. I forgive you for that. You need a second chance, Peter, and I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to give you a third chance. I'm going to give you a fourth chance. The Apostle Paul, the greatest leader in the New Testament, the section of Jesus and John the Baptist, his job was to hunt down people like me and you and to throw us in jail and to, and to stone us and get us killed, Christians, and all of a sudden he's called to be the preacher of the gospel to Gentiles. Second chance. I love all the stories in the Bible. Man, oh, here, here's one that everybody knows. The woman caught in adultery, right? The woman caught, it says, in the very act of adultery. Interesting, the guy wasn't there. You know, they didn't bring the guy. It takes two to have adultery. They, you know, we're, we're, she was committed. And, and they said, and you know what, Jesus? The law, the Bible, the law tells us that she should be stoned. What do you say? That's what he began to write down the sins of all the people around him. And they all leave, man. Oh, man, he's pointing out my sin. And he says to her, where's your accusers? 
And she says, they're no longer here. And he says, I don't accuse you either. He said, go and sin no more. He always responded to people like you and I with love and compassion and second chances. The only people he was angry at was the religious people that acted like they were perfect and they weren't. He was never angry and upset. I love the, the, the story of the woman at the well. Jesus hanging out at the well by himself, sent the disciples into town, and this woman comes up, and he begins to have a spiritual conversation with her. And she's thinking that he's thirsty and can get a drink, and he says, if you drink from me, then you'll never thirst ever again. And so she commits her life to Jesus Christ. Her purpose was to take back the message to the little village she lived in. She'd never gone to seminary. She'd never been trained. She just goes, I met this guy named Jesus at the well, and he totally changed my life. And it says the village believed. They're going, and, and because one encounter she had with him was, and Jesus says, go get your husband. She said, well, I don't have a husband. When she, he says, you've had five husbands. What Jesus was saying was, I know you've messed up. I know you've messed up, but I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to save you. So he gives her compassion and gives her a second chance. And her purpose in life was to go and to go, I am changed. And her whole village came to Christ. We all need grace. Amazing grace. Gosh, I think of the mess I was in when Jesus gave me a second chance. I just go, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the amazing grace. You, you should have just killed me for all I'd done. But instead, you gave me love and compassion. And so if you need another chance, you're in the right place. Restoral leads you to the great healer, Jesus Christ. Last lesson we learned from Jonah is this. God relentlessly pursues us with his love. God cared even for the Muslims in Nineveh. Jonah didn't care about them. You've got to be here next week. Uh, Zach, <laughs> you're going to go... After all this, I can't believe Jonah responded like he did. You, you won't believe it. So come. Jonah, he didn't care about those people in Nineveh. He wasn't afraid of dying. He was afraid that the wicked people of Nineveh, the people that he had extreme prejudice against, that they, in fact, would repent and would turn from their sin and turn to God. And so motiv uh, Jonah's motivation was not love. His only motivation was reluctant obedience, but God honored his word and saved the people of Nineveh. But God's motivation is love. God is not waiting for you to get your act together. He says, you come just like you are to me. My life verse, I don't know if you have a life verse, but this is my life verse. I love this verse says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. We all know that, right? But this is the part that I love the most. God loved me so much, he sent Jesus Christ to die for me while I was still a sinner. Jesus didn't die for people that are perfect and have it all together. He died for people like me and you. So no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God loves you and is pursuing us relentlessly with his love. So what are you going to do today?
continue to run from God, continue to disobey God and suffer from consequences, I would encourage you stop running, stop sinning, fall into the arms of the God of second chances who is relentlessly pursuing you with his love. Let's pray. Our Father, we are overwhelmed with your love. There are some of us in this room that need second chance. I pray, Lord, that you'll love them as only you can love them. Wrap your arms around them, Lord. Let them know they can come to you just as they are. Some of you may be here and you know God, but you're running from God just like Jonah. I would encourage you to stop running. Come to realize God has a purpose for you. And to surrender your life to God and surrender your life to God's purpose for you. So my prayer is this for each and every one of us, including me. Lord, use us to love others around us like you love them, Lord. We don't want to love like Jonah loved. We want to love like you loved the people of Nineveh. May I love them with open arms like you do, Lord. Use us to love like you love, Lord.